Hello again, everybody. This is Carol Huber Sanic from Cleveland, Ohio, living in Tampa, Florida, talking about my second episode of The Nearness of You, the story about my father and his adventures and his experience in World War II, in training to go to battle, in training to serve the United States. And it's going to also, all along the way, bring us history lessons. And we're going to learn a lot about what was happening during that time, because you know what? It's been a lot of years, and unfortunately, we are losing people, the people who experienced it. We want to share the memories. We want to keep these memories alive, and that's the purpose of this show. So I would love to have you sit back, relax, and listen. At the end of the 1930s, Kodak made a great invention, color film Kodachrome. It was the first viable color film, and the colors weren't very good, but it was still a pretty remarkable invention. Look where it went. It cost $5 a roll. Now think about that. The late 1930s, $5 was half of somebody's salary for the week. That's a lot of money. And furthermore, the film had to go back to Rochester, New York to be developed, obviously. You know, people could not go to their corner drugstore and put it in an envelope and mail it off. That's, you know, recent history, not older history. New York City was the metropolis of America at this time. You know, people would pop on down to Times Square, have a big date, jump in a cab, go to the theater... Washington, D.C. had its contrast going on. The New Deal extended its influence across the nation. And today I thought it might be a nice trip back in time to understand what was happening when Roosevelt was elected. We are in an election year ourselves right now. And probably a lot of what is going on now was going on then. And let's take a look at how Mr. Roosevelt tried to change things. The New Deal was the domestic program of the administration of Franklin D. Roosevelt, and it happened between 1933 and 1939, which took action about immediate economic relief, as well as reforms in industry, agriculture, finance, water power, labor, and housing, to vastly increase the scope of the federal government's activities. The term was taken from Mr. Roosevelt's speech, accepting the Democratic nomination for the presidency on July 2, 1932. He was reacting to the ineffectiveness of the administration of President Herbert Hoover in meeting the ravages of the Great Depression. American voters the following November overwhelmingly voted in favor of the Democratic promise of a new deal for the forgotten man. Opposed to the traditional American political philosophy of laissez-faire, the New Deal generally embraced the concept of a government-regulated economy aimed at achieving a balance between conflicting economic interests. Much of the New Deal legislation was enacted within the first three months of Roosevelt's presidency, which became known as the Hundred Days. 
The new administration's first objective was to alleviate the suffering of the nation's huge number of unemployed workers. Agencies as the Work Progress Administration and the Civilian Conservation Corps were established to dispense emergency and short-term governmental aid and to provide temporary jobs, employment on construction projects, and youth work in the national forests. Before 1935, the New Deal focused on revitalizing the country's stricken business and agricultural communities. To revive industrial activity, the National Recovery Administration was granted authority to help shape industrial codes governing trade practices, wages, hours, child labor, and collective bargaining. The New Deal also tried to regulate the nation's financial hierarchy in order to avoid a repetition of the stock market crash of 1929 and the massive bank failures that followed. The FDIC granted government insurance for bank deposits in member banks of the Federal Reserve System, and the Securities and Exchange Commission was formed to protect the investing public from fraudulent stock market practices. The farm program was centered in the Agricultural Adjustment Administration, which attempted to raise prices by controlling the production of staple crops through cash subsidies to farmers. In addition, The arm of the federal government reached into the area of electric power, establishing in 1933 the TVA, the Tennessee Valley Authority, which was to cover a seven-state area and supply cheap electricity, prevent floods, improve navigation, and produce nitrates. In 1935, the New Deal emphasis shifted to measures designed to assist labor and other urban groups. The Wagner Act of 1935 greatly increased the authority of the federal government in industrial relations and strengthened the organizing power of labor unions, establishing the National Labor Relations Board to execute this program. You know, I have to stop and think right there. I have to stop and think. All these things happened on a Roosevelt's administration, you know, from 1933 to 1939. Wow. Oh, yes. To aid the forgotten homeowner, legislation was passed to refinance shaky mortgages and guarantee bank loans for both modernization and mortgage payments. Perhaps the most far-reaching programs of the New Deal were the Social Security measures enacted in 1935 and 1939, providing old age and widow's benefits, unemployment compensation, and disability insurance. Maximum work hours and minimum wages were also set in certain industries in 1938. Certain New Deal laws were declared unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court on the grounds that neither the commerce nor the taxing provisions of the Constitution granted the federal government authority to regulate industry or to undertake social and economic reform. Roosevelt, confident of the legality of all the measures, proposed early in 1937 a reorganization of the court. This proposal met with vehement opposition and ultimate defeat, but the court, meanwhile, ruled in favor of the remaining contested legislation, despite resistance from business and other segments of the community to socialistic tendencies of the New Deal. Many of its reforms gradually achieved national acceptance. Roosevelt's domestic programs were largely followed in the Fair Deal of President Harry S. Truman, from 1945 to 1953, and both major U.S. parties came to accept most New Deal reforms as a permanent part of national life. Hmm. Interesting what was going on that many years ago. Kind of carries over into what some people are complaining about today, you know? 
Okay, so what else was happening in the 30s? Well, Chicago was the, well, that's where they they just ruled transportation and food and manufacturing, and that, that was the big center of the whole country. And the south side of Chicago was where your steel mills got their start and stockyards. New Orleans was the largest city in the south, not Atlanta. That surprised me when I found that out. And Los Angeles grew bigger than San Francisco. Half of all Americans lived on farms and small towns. Rural areas, you know, people still did horse and wagon, horse and buggy. Kids went barefoot in the summertime. And despite the Depression, modernization proceeded rapidly in the 30s. Railroads were one of the biggest employers. Makes perfect sense. The four-engine Boeing Stratoliners were flying out of Midway Airport in Chicago. Miami Beach was where Northerners vacationed. Hoover Dam generated electricity starting in 1936. And the New York World's Fair of 1939 and 1940 upped America's feelings for a better future coming out of the Depression. DiMaggio, well, he had his hitting streak. That was the summer of 41 and a world championship for the New York Yankees in the fall, all before we entered the war. There you have it. There's your little bit of a history lesson for today, but part of why I do this show is always to leave the show reading one of my father's love letters. It's home to my mom. Tuesday, January 16th, 1945. Dearest Darling, No need to say how thrilled I was to receive your letter. Darling, and I'm glad to hear that you arrived home safely with all your belongings. I'm also glad to hear that your trip was a pleasant one and that you had no trouble getting a seat on the train. Well, sweetheart, another day has passed. We had a snowstorm today, and we had to hike during the thick of it. Then this evening, I went to the show and saw Keys to the Kingdom, The picture was fairly good, then a dash across the street, and I find myself in the service club. I then partook of a cup of coffee and a delicious frankfurter, then upstairs to start writing this letter to my dear wife. Dearest, I took out another bond allotment in which you are the co-owner. This allotment is for a $50 bond a month, and they are to be mailed to your home. The first deduction will be at the end of February, so you should receive the first bond somewhere around the first week of March. I still carry the other bond allotment, which I have had for the past few years, and Mom will continue to get that one also. So, sweetheart, tell me when you are when you receive notice or when the first bond arrives. I see that you already have decided to be a working girl again. Whatever you do, honey, please take care of yourself and don't let a good job get you down, as it did at National Carbon. Your hubby, in closing, is looking forward to your next letter. Sweetheart, don't keep me waiting. I love you, and I miss you more than words can say. Regards to all, and love to my dearest one, your sweetheart, Willie. I was looking at the envelope that this letter came in today before I decided to sit down and put this new show together. And on the very front of the envelope, there's a piece of scotch tape. And the scotch tape has got printing on it, and it says, Opened by U.S. Army Examiner. And then there's a stamp, 
passed by, U.S. Army examiner. Passed by, base Army examiner. So my dad's letters were all being opened. I realized that today. There's also a six-cent airmail stamp in the upper right-hand corner. It's a red stamp with an airplane on it. Two engines. You know, not a jet. Not a jet by any means. So there you have it. That's my second episode. I love doing these shows. I said that before. I thank you for listening. We'll be back next Monday. That's it for today. You know, if you have any memories that you'd like to share, please send them to my email address, which is carol, C-A-R-O-L-E, Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, Sanic, S is in Sam, A-N is in Nancy, E-K, at gmail.com. Reach out to me. Share with me. I'm excited to learn more. I know that other people have letters home and memories and, and love stories and sad stories and, and things that you want to share with the world. Because you know what? Like I've said before, this is one of the most important periods of time in world history. And we must keep the memories alive. We must keep the memories alive. I appreciate you all. I'll be back next Monday. Have a wonderful week. And remember, If you have anything you want to share, I'm an email away. Bye now.